Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. We did it, we did it together, and uh, it's just so exciting for me to just be a part of this with them, with all the 11 other players. It's truly an experience that I will cherish forever. Taking you beyond the ropes. Whatever you think is possible for you, or, or even what's not possible, you know, beyond your wildest dreams, go for it. You know, just go for it and think big and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything. Unforgettable stories. He's hit some putts with it, so he gets his phone out and he just takes a picture of the grip and down the putter and doesn't say anything and he just pings it to Tiger. And of course, Tiger pinged him right back like, what in the hell are you doing with my putter? Do not touch that putter. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose it's just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program on this Monday. Hope you guys are doing well while we still have swirling around us. You know, a lot of, I think in the balance of things, it's more bad news than good news with everything that's going on. But I also hope that some things that are happening are hopeful. You know, the news that came out in the last few days about a couple of drugs that are already on the marketplace, that maybe these things will help and work. I haven't heard a follow-up on that. I just heard that they think maybe. Can't wait to find out if that's the case because now you're not going through all the official trials like they are with vaccines, which they say take time to roll out. Uh, and I hope that you guys uh, have found a balance in how all this is going. You know, one of the things that I, it, not many people are talking about, but because half of our country is still mired in relatively cold temperatures and weather, there's a lot of people that are kind of stuck in the house. I get it. You know, I think that's why the, the our show, as it goes, as soon as the live window is done and we go on a demand on-demand podcast, why the plays are up, because people are sitting at home looking for stuff to do as well. I get that. You know, I understand. But in, this, in the same way, and I think I'm going to talk about this uh, this coming weekend on Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna start up our morning drive again. We're gonna use, you know, the Zoom and Skype technology and so forth, and be in our respective homes and and do our parts. We've already done a test of it. And it works pretty well. So, one of the things that I want to talk about then is golf's reaction because I think that with proper social distancing, to use the phrase, a lot of clubs are taking away the rakes. Uh, they're playing bunkers as either ground under repair or preferred lie. Uh, they're saying to you, you don't have to touch a flag stick. Any place that where another person has touched it before you, they're saying, don't worry about that. Leave that alone. And when when you get done uh, at a hole, don't they either pull the cup up an inch and, and you hit the cup, you're done. Or they put like the, you know, the tube the kids play with in, in the in the pool. They cut them off and they so the ball sits inside the hole, but just like a half inch in. So you just pick it up there so you don't have to touch the flag. Uh, they're like where where I live, they're putting people out individually in the carts uh, versus versus two people in them uh, close together. They're doing a lot of really cool, responsible things. And it's something I'm looking forward to talking about on the air this week because I do think that golf has a, a role to play. And with the with the massive impact that all of this is going to have on business, all businesses particularly small businesses, yes, but all businesses are going to be adversely, uh, some acutely impacted by all of this. There is this tiny silver lining for golf because the vast majority of golf courses would not have been fully open yet. They may have been temporary greens or what have you, and there's some warmer winter temperatures, but they wouldn't have been in full flight yet anyway. Uh, it's not far away if this if this thing goes a long time. Uh, then they obviously would be impacted. And there are so many golf courses that are living on the razor's edge right now that it could be highly detrimental. But I hope that, like everybody does, that this thing passes quickly enough, and I know that's a relative term, that it doesn't have a massively adverse impact for the entirety of the golf industry. I'm a golf show, so that's why I'm talking so parochially about who we are in and what we do. Uh, BenHoganGolf.com, when you get a chance to log on there, not only can you see their new incredibly beautiful forged blade icon 
irons. You can see the PTX Pro forged irons. Those are the ones that we're going to be giving you guys on our listeners trip to French Lick coming up this summer. And we're going to do that trip. People have already started contacting me. Hey, you guys are going to do this trip no matter what? Yeah, we are. I may change the dates, but depending on what happens with everything else, but I'm not changing the concept. This is too good. This is too much fun. And treating you guys like a tour player is something I'm 100% committed to do. So that is going to happen. Frenchlick.com is is their website where you can see all of their glory. But if you go on the fairwaysoflife.com, ours, fairwaysoflife.com slash Frenchlick, you can see all the details. Or just log on to BenHoganGolf.com and you can check out all their products, which includes they're very close to introducing their new hybrid clubs as well. There's new stuff coming out all the time. And I found out from the CEO of the company just the other day that I guess their web traffic is through the roof right now because people are home and they're dreaming. And why not? Uh, The other thing I want to encourage everybody to do is log on to BridgestoneGolf.com and check out the V-Fit. You're home. Go out into the front yard, have have a family member or whoever video you taking a swing. They'll tell you what angles you use, and when it gets sent into Bridgestone Golf, an actual human being is going to analyze this, and they're going to come back to you and say, here's what you need to do. You need to work on this. You need to work on that in terms of what golf ball is best for you. Isn't it good to know the one piece of equipment you're going to use on every shot? What's perfect for you? So we've got a really cool show coming up for you today. You know I love to have members of the hall of fame on the program well one lies in store and i cannot wait to talk this individual because it's always fascinating and there's always these pearls of wisdom that that lie inherent in whatever a hall of famer has to say and it's i know how it goes tee him up and let him go and get out of the way and just enjoy the content uh one more thing i want to remind everybody of because these are the people that allow us to continue to do what we're doing as the only daily live golf radio show that's left uh at the moment it seems weird to say that but to our knowledge we're the only one uh and then of course it's also on demand all over the world and so we thank you for using us as a way to a bit of departure, I suppose, from from reality, and hopefully in a very good way uh, in terms of how that is interpreted and how you receive that message as well. But uh, Ireland.com is, as you know, something that I'm very passionate about, the the country of Ireland. I'm Irish. The, the fact that uh, I still maintain multiple memberships back there, it's because it's the most inspiring place to play golf in the world to me. They are the best Lynx golf courses in the entire globe. And I'm happy to go down the road to tell you exactly why I feel that way. And I'm not taking away anything else from anybody else, anywhere else. I'm just saying that these are the best in the world for a whole variety of reasons that even go beyond my bias. Ireland.com is where you can go to see all the details of the same. It's always a pleasure, folks. It's always an honor to be joined by a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, an individual whose life's journey is forever enshrined alongside a fellow Hall of Fame members that speaks to the accomplishments, and they are stout. Curtis Strange won 28 professional events. 17 of those were on the PGA Tour, and distinctively, he won two U.S. Opens back-to-back, thank you very much, in 1988 and in 1989. Imagine that Curtis was the one that interviewed Brooks Kepka. It's funny how things sometime in sport happen uh and and it happened that way which which was incredible for many who observed the same he was inducted and enshrined as mentioned into the hall of fame in 2007 he was a member of five united states Ryder cup teams as a player he was a captain in 2002 he played in 78 major championships finishing in the top 25 30 of those 78 times amazing and 12 top 10s in that span all told he played in 598 pga tour events with those 17 victories he also had 13 runner-ups 20 uh, 20 times he finished third and 129 times in the top 10 absolutely amazing he is a dad he is a grandfather and he is a voice that we love to have on the fairways of life show curtis strange how have you been my friend I'm good, Matt. I, I, I'm still haunted by some of those runners-up and third-place finishes. So <laughs> let's, let's stop talking about them. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thank you very much, sir. How are you holding up through all this? Oh, I'm good. You know, 
I, uh, uh, you know, I took this seriously from the beginning. I was, I, I don't know if I was a, 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 not a naysayer by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I kind of took this seriously and, and I take it very seriously now. Unlike, you know, we all know some people that think this is kind of a hoax, but, you know, I, 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 I couldn't help but think of, uh, on the news last night, uh, uh, what, 75, 80, no, 800, whatever it was of people that uh, contracted the virus in, in uh, uh, Italy last night. Oh, actually, 80 people died last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, something like that. But anyway, uh, the point is, I, you know, we're good. We're good. I just I feel for people that, you know, uh, are, you know, businesses going to be, you know, really strained here. Uh, and I think about those people that, that have it that are older, uh, we're, we're doing just fine. What do you do with the grandkids? What do you do with, with, with your own children in terms of providing them with kind of the wisdom of, of their grandfather and their father in terms of this kind of life event? It's unprecedented. You know, it is. Um, I, I think we can all come out of this probably some better people and, and, and learn a lot. Um, uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, they really don't know what's going on. They know they're not in school, and that's a good thing. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, uh, but they're they're hunkered down. Uh, you know, they're up in Carolina and, and talk to them every night. But uh, you know, they get out and about, but they're not you know socializing with anybody. Uh, they're actually taking as a family, you know, walk on the beach, uh, uh, and and it's shut down up there basically. Uh, you know, they're they're riding their bikes on the street, and it, everybody's indoors, and it's just it. You know, they're doing things as a family, and it's uh. They're all they're all doing very well right now. Thanks for asking. Are you able to get out and do some fishing and and just kind of go out and do your thing in nature and still social distancing, right? Yeah, I haven't come in contact with anybody in in days and days. I hate to tell everybody, but this is this is my schedule. I get up in the morning and work out a little bit and, and do my little stuff, and I'm on the water by about eleven or eleven thirty every day going fishing. I'm down here in Florida now. And I fish just about every day by myself, and I'm just as happy as a clam. And 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 I come home, and and and, and that's the day. Um, so my life really hasn't changed that much, to be honest with you. Uh, unlike some people. Whew. Curtis Strange is our guest, World Golf Hall of Fame member. I want to circle back around to what you're talking about with those with those runners up with, with those 17 wins. Are there, in all seriousness, are there one or two that haunt you to this day that, that say, no, I should have closed that out, I should have got that done? Well, haunt's the wrong word, but I, I'll say this, that Jim Nugent, our friend from uh, uh, Global Golf Post, tweeted out to me last night that, hey, just watched, uh, you know, like the 87 Masters and saw you chipping from left-handed from behind the 13th green, and I tweeted out, you know the the really one of the bad things about this this uh, virus and the golf channels rerun runs or watching all of our bad shots again. So I, uh, I uh, you know, to answer your question, haunts the wrong word, but I think from time to time when that situation or that tournament or not that particular year, but that tournament is brought up, you think about. Uh, those things that uh, you could have done better. Uh, you hopefully you did improve on the, on the bad shots, but not really. I mean, yeah, you might have learned something, but you know, you you know, we're not robots out there. We're going to miss hit shots and uh, on the first tee and the last hole. And uh, so, un- unfortunately, the last hole is magnified because it's the last hole. But they all mean the same. But I still think of. You know, every year, honestly, when I go to the Masters every year and, and work for ESPN, yeah, you think about 1985 or maybe 19, uh, the year later. Uh, you know, it just it, times you wish you could have finished it out there uh, because it was such a prestigious event and still is. Um, you know, there was a couple of there was a couple more U.S. Opens that uh, I had an opportunity and. Uh, but you know what? I was lucky. I I, I finished off some and, and, and lost some, but uh, all in all, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, I mean, does 
even when you mentioned the 85 Masters, because we go back on the property, does what happened on the back nine in 85, if, if that had not happened the way it happened, would you have been able to do everything else that you did? You know what I'm saying? Does one thing build on another? Well, you know, absolutely. And, you know, that's how we, that's why we can never do those things. I, I still think about it, but, you know, during, during standing under the big tree there on property, but yeah, you're exactly right. You make this step, something else the next day or the next year doesn't happen. So uh, I think all in all, when you lose a big event like that and it hurts so badly for a while that you do your very, very best not to have that happen again. And when you get in that position again, you learn, you know, how your body feels, how your body reacts, uh, how you think of the pressure, the type of shots you tend to hit under pressure. Um, yeah. You know, it's the entire, from junior golf to college golf, to amateur golf, college golf, professional golf, it's all a stepping stone. And hopefully you can learn something from every time you 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 win or lose, most of the time lose, because that's when you really dig deep and think. And so, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you're exactly right. If I don't, if I don't, you know, mess up there and, and play poorly on a couple of shots the backside of Augusta, then who knows what would have happened? So, uh, I'm I'm a realist realist when it comes like that. So, uh, uh, you know, maybe it all happened for the best. Who knows? I want to ask you about a couple of things that over the years we haven't really had a chance to discuss. In uh, 1987 at the Dunhill Cup, you shoot a, a old course record then of 62. What happened that day? What was channeling within you that day? What was the weather like? What are your memories of accomplishing something at that place in particular? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the first time I ever played St. Andrews or went to St. Andrews, was in the 1975 Walker Cup. We oh. uh, young kids were on this Walker Cup team going to St. Andrews. What a what a lucky break that was to have it on the schedule. And we liked, disliked, were intrigued, all um, all of the above about St. Andrews that everybody else the first time they go there uh, experienced. But we had a ball, and uh, so. You go back and Dunhill Cup, and I played there many times. Uh, I was It was actually the consolation match of the Dunhill Cup, and I was playing Greg mm-hmm. Norman. And I just got on a roll on the turn and birdied every hole around the, the turn. And next thing I know, uh, if I par 17 and birdie 18, I know I shoot 62, and I know it's the record. So the wind was blowing enough. The wind wasn't honking out there. But it was blowing enough to where 17, I hit a really good drive, and I laid up front right of the green with a two-iron, just so I didn't screw up where I couldn't make par. Uh, going at that, going at that, we're seriously going at that green with a four-wood. So it was blowing, you know, 15 miles an hour or so. Yeah. Uh, what, what direction? So I laid up front right and got it up and down. So I'm saying, okay, here we go. And I'll never forget, I hit a good drive at 18. And Norman at this point hadn't said a word to me because it's kind of like the pitcher pitching the no-hitter. Yeah, and he we walked off the 18th tee, and he came up and he kind of slapped me on the shoulder, and that's all he did, which I thought was a really cool thing to do. Don't say anything, just hey, birdie this thing, okay? And so I hit a, God, I had to hit a little nine iron, I think, into 18, and I had it, I don't know, 15 feet and canned it. But anyway, it was a great thrill for me, uh, a great, great thrill, and. Weather was pretty good for St. Andrews. It was blowing a little bit, but uh, uh, you know it's all about making putts there, and uh, which is not the easiest thing to do. But it was a, uh, you know, when when you talk about things you're ha- you're able to uh, rounds you're able to play or special rounds or memories, that's certainly at the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking back on it and looking through all your stuff, of course, getting ready and think god that is so cool that he did that it also prompts me to wonder were you talking about you know playing alongside of greg norman did you ever curtis get caught up in playing against the man versus one shot at a time the old cliche and staying within your own game no never never once um and i and i and i people say maybe no absolutely not 
played my game, didn't matter who, what. Um, Greg and I had a couple of nice head-to-heads, but it really, and after the fact, it was nice to be, you know, a great, great player. But no, during the round, not not once. To that point, when you talk, you use your term head-to-head. All right, let's go. Let's go, Nick Faldo. Uh, playoff U.S. Open now. What would your mindset? What do you remember? Let me. What? Do you, how well did you sleep the night before? What? Just take us into that scene. Come on. What? Let me give you an. How do you think I slept the night? Before? I don't think you slept a wink, to be honest. With you. <laughs> You're exactly right. The longest, the longest six hours of my life was when I woke up in the morning of the playoff and had to wait to tee off the first day. Uh, didn't know what to do with myself, was a nervous wreck. Not a nervous wreck, but just anxious, you know, just anxious to get this thing done. And But anyway, uh, you know, playing Nick in the playoff didn't, you know, we're out there, didn't make any difference to me, honestly. I did know that because it was a playoff, everything was so, so magnified. And so every shot made so much to me. And, and I knew, quite frankly, going in, uh, when you say you don't think about it, but I knew Nick wouldn't go give me anything, so I had to play a good round of golf. It was as simple as that. And did you ever play a good round of golf? Uh, one, of the, one of the stories that, again, I have, I've never asked you about this in all the years that we've been talking or, or been together did you know that your twin brother Alan was on the way up for that that playoff day, and and what famously happened in that in that day with him? Well, I'll tell the short version. Okay, no, to answer your question, I didn't know. He had never shown up at a tournament when I was playing well in my life because, you know, he played professionally for three or four years, and you know he got it, and he didn't want to change anything. Uh, you know, if he showed up, if I was playing well, he, you know, we'd talk on the phone later on. Uh, but anyway, my uncle and two friends talked him into coming up Monday of the playoff. And he said, okay, after many phone calls. So I go out and warm up. First time I see him, I've got 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go on the putting green. And I go putting green. He's there. And he's already got four Budweiser uh, cups on top of each other. So he's already had a few pops. But everybody, we're identical twins. So everybody's around the putting green looking at Alan drink Budweiser and they think it's Curtis. And they, hey, he's, he's warming up just like we do. You know? So that's the funny part of the story. And so he has a few more, and, you know, we go out and play. And uh, But the best thing about the day is that he got to walk inside the ropes for the last nine holes. Jerry Pate saw him, who was the on-course commentary for ABC at the time, pulled him in, and he walked inside the ropes with Jerry for the last nine holes, in which I won, and, and we're all – we were all very happy for that. It was it was a, it was a pretty cool, you know, day for all of us. When when now people know if they didn't otherwise that he is an identical twin of yours, your brother. How did he get on the property that day? Didn't he use that attribute? Yes, they drove in and they got about a half a mile from the the gates of the country club. And they realized they have no credentials, <laughs> but they but remember identical twin. They have Allen. And so they quickly put Allen behind the driver's seat of this go-to-hell rent-a-wreck station wagon they have. And they go to the gates, and Allen says, hello. And he says, hey, Curtis, how you doing? Kick his ass today. And they drove right on through. (laughs) So that's how they got in. It's the story. And when you hear them tell the story after a couple pops, it's the funniest thing in the world. But I just gave it a short version. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Curtis Strange is our guest on this Monday in the Fairways of Life show, in which we thank all of you for your company from wherever you're joining us, around the United States, around the world. We hope that everybody is staying and keeping safe, and everyone that you that you know and love as well. As well. Now, when you think about these memories, and I know, uh, Curtis, you've never been a guy that's been great at looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, you know, that, that's one attribute. It's interesting. You have it. Jack Nicholas is that way. Tom Watson is that way. But it's for us, it's fun because we're reliving our own history as well. To me, it's, it's akin to hearing a song when you remember where, where you were, when, and, and so forth. Uh, when you think about the Ryder Cups in your career, what special place do the, do those memories have for Curtis Strange? 
Oh, they have, you know, very, very special memories. Uh, it's, you know, they were, you know, the, the, to me, I was always kind of a, I loved team sports in high school and college. And so to, to have a team all of a sudden when, it, when you play an individual sport was great fun. And and you got to know the guys even better than you did before. You got to root. You got to, you know, you know, rah rah. And it was all it was all legal in the Ronner Cup. And you didn't have to stay even key all day long. And it was locker room was you know patriotic and and you know it just uh, you you I, my captains I, I hung on every word that they said and you know. <laughs> in the room with with you know my first one was jack nicholas as captain in 83 my gosh you know you kidding me i mean i'm serious i was my eyes were wide open and my mouth was shut and then raymond and, and lee and you know and lanny picked me and i just it was it, it it just it was fantastic and unfortunately during that time we didn't play as well or we just got beat uh, uh they had a hell of a team and uh, but the experiences of the Ryder Cup and, and, and the week itself and, you know, the honestly, when you, I don't care who you are, when you still get your Ryder Cup clothes in the mail and you get your bag in the mail and, you you know, you get all the stuff and the red, white, and blue, it's it's exciting. It really is. And then, and then on top of all of that playing, when you're the captain and you get to pick it and you get to design and you get to – you know, organize and team up and, and, and be a part of this team that, you know, they're looking at you just like I looked at my captains and was a, was a, was a great honor. And I just, all I try to do is upheld the reputation and the, and, and the, you know, the, the individuals that came before me and, uh, and hopefully Sarah and I did, I think we did, but whatever the case is, uh, it was just, it's 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 very special, very special, and very patriotic as it came after nine eleven. Yeah, I was just going to say that to you, Curtis. That ironic, isn't it, that we're having this conversation and trying to get some perspective and wisdom uh, relative to what the world is going through right now? And you were the captain for a United States team as nine eleven took place, and then they pushed the the Ryder Cup off for for the next year and all the rest. I mean. I, I, do any of those emotions kind of swirl back and give you give you moments to think here with what's going on right now? Well, it, it's 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 similar. Um, you know, you you try to look at the big picture. Um, you know, I had a, a reporter the other day ask me, you know, what are the players thinking? How are they preparing for the next tournament? I said, I said, let me tell you something. They're just like you and me. They're enjoying their family, and sometimes you almost want something. This is terrible to say. You want something that makes you have to stay at home so you can enjoy your kids and your and your wife and your home for for six weeks or so. Doesn't happen very often, but uh, and so they're they're just like everybody else. My gosh! So therefore, when I'm driving back across the country, and the PGA of America and the and the Tim Fincham and the commissioner of the tour and everybody, the heads of state around are trying to figure out, do we delay this, this Ryder cup, uh, after nine 11, because we're supposed to leave in, in 10 days. And it was, uh, you know, we got to look at the big picture. What do the players think about? Well, they're just trying to get home to their families. They're stuck all over the country when yeah. the air shut down. So you look at the big picture instead of yourself and, and hopefully everybody gets home safe and, you talk to them and, you know, you reassure them that, hey, forget about this Ryder Cup thing. You know, we'll do this someday, but let's, let's just everybody be safe, get home. And, and uh, that's, that's what I try to do. I mean, my, grand, my kids, my grandkids, my, you know, everybody that you know and love, it's, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I don't, you know, people are already going crazy because we've been somewhat isolated for a week. Let me tell you something, we got a couple more months, two or three months of this stuff. So uh, there's been a, plenty of jokes about that over the internet, but you know, I just try to look at. Um, um, we lost that Ryder Cup that I was captain, and that 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 hurt for a while. But when you do the best you can, and 
you think you hopefully you represented everybody that came before you. There was no controversy. Fans were great. Um, players were great. Players liked you. I, I, I think, in a way, it was pretty much a success. Yeah. And sometimes it's bigger than the outcome of the matches. Sometimes it's about, you know, what, is, what it is, the spirit of the game. And I think, too, in fairness, everything has its place and has its reasons. And when you judge your role, and I'm glad that you included Sarah when you said it before, did you represent all those who came before you? You guys did. You, you did it with, with honor and you did it with dignity. And I want to ask you about this with Sarah, too. And I realize this might be kind of a, a touchy subject, but, but nonetheless, we both know players that had great ability, great talent, great potential, but their domestic union wasn't the best for whoever side, whatever happened, nobody's business, whatever. But their domestic side wasn't the best in terms of supporting what they did as a professional, as a touring professional. When you look back on your career and you think about the role that Sarah had to play in your success, how lucky were you, are you? Well, I think uh, sometimes they don't get the credit they deserve. It's as simple as that. Uh, we all know people, friends, and unfortunately, you know, breakups happen. But when they happen, they're devastating and even could be even more devastating when you're trying to play golf on tour. And I'm not going to say golf on tour is more important than anything else, but the point is it, it really does affect you. And it did affect those players. And some, it affected their career for a long, long time. Um, but when you're able to go out on the road and not worry about what's at home with the kids, you know, we traveled, Sarah traveled every step of the way with me for, years or so and then we had thomas and he still traveled and then we had david and that was it <laughs> two kids on the yeah. road was it yeah. they were home and sarah was ready to stay home more and be with the kids and and so and i adjusted my schedule a little bit but you know just realize that you're on the road and, and you know eating room service every night and and everything's good at home um uh it makes you you know put all your effort in, into what you're trying to do uh, professionally, and uh, even though it's still tough, you're still separated, and, you know, I'll never forget the first time, you know, my oldest boy said, don't leave, Dad. Yeah. And if, if that doesn't, if that doesn't just, just pull your heart out, then, uh, and then you have to walk out the door, and that's the toughest thing, and when that starts to happen, uh, that's, that traveling gets a whole lot tougher. When you use the word tough, you used it just twice there in that one sentence alone. Did you view yourself as however you want to define it? I'm trying not to define it in asking this question, but I'll, I'll cast the wide net then. Did you view yourself as tough? You know, I get that's that's a word that's used some. I I just I just don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I think if you're an athlete and you competed. Not just in golf, but I think, you know, I, I, these kids need to play all sports, okay? All sports in the seasons. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I competed, and I'd like to compete. And, I, and you know, uh, there was a loose ball in the basketball court I didn't try to get after. Uh, I, how do you explain it? I don't know. But I knew I had one chance in this world, and that was to play professional golf. And I had one chance to do that. So why not give it 100% every single day? And I felt like I had to. I mean, we all feel like we're, we're probably the most insecure human in, individuals on the planet, we golfers. And because of that, you know, we, sometimes we don't like our swings, we don't believe in our swings, we don't believe in ourselves, but you better because you only have one chance. And if you go down in the dumps with your attitude, because things aren't perfect physically, then you're going to give up six months or so. And I just couldn't afford that. You know, I wanted to do the best I could do every day. And so you get after it. But I enjoyed getting after it, you know, working as hard as anybody out there. And uh, uh, so tough, I don't know. I, you know, you, ha you have to ask my com fellow competitors 
something like that. Oh, well, your fellow competitors, Lee Trevino, called you a piranha. But I do know I wanted to beat their ass. And you know why? Because you know the greatest satisfaction is at the end of the day, not but end of Sunday, if I finish 15th in the tournament and I did my very best and I birdied the last hole and I worked my ass off on every shot, then that airplane ride home was pretty damn nice. Yeah. I wasn't to the talent. I wasn't. I couldn't go out there and say I'm going to win this week or be disappointed with a with a nice, hard, tough, competitive tournament effort. You know, uh, now it was special when you won, but you don't win very often. You know, those people that win a lot are are you know the the gifted ones. And so, um, I'm, let me tell you a quick story about working though, real quick. So Tom Kite and I used to practice a lot. A lot of times together, but most of the time not. So I think it was Atlanta one year, and we played late on, say, Saturday, and he went to one end of the range, and I went to the other. And this happened more than once. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to let this SOB practice longer than me tonight. And we went, and we went, and we went. Now it's getting dark, and he's still beating balls. And I know that I know he's over there thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I'm not leaving this practice team before he does. And it was pitch black. And finally, <laughs> I gave up. I gave up. And I walked by him and says, now i got to go to the practice, the putting green for 30 minutes. And we both had the biggest laugh because we were both trying to outdo each other. <laughs> it was funny. But that kind of stuff is fun. And you got to have a laugh once in a while. But Tom Kite and I went at it pretty good. Oh yeah! In fact, Tom's gonna—he's gonna be on the show, I think, this week. I'm gonna clip that sound and play it for him, so that. Uh, uh, in fact, I'll—I'll I'll ask you this and use this in that same piece. Uh, when you had to go head to head against uh, Tom Kite when he was in full flight, what were your thoughts? He wasn't gonna give you much, but that's all I thought. Um, you know, he was enough older than I was. He was, uh, you know, a little more experienced. Um, uh, you know, he just – Tom Kite worked very hard. And Tom Kite gave it 100% every day. Uh, and I'm going to say he wasn't the most gifted in the world. Uh, he wasn't born with this, this sixth sense. Uh, but he worked his butt off. And he became a Hall of Famer. And I give him as much more credit than, than many other Hall of Famers because he did it by pure effort and uh, a desire to be the best he could be. That's why I admire him so much. There was a, something else that you said a moment ago that prompted a thought of, of Billy Casper. And you were talking about how hard you worked and how you ground everything out because you couldn't afford to do otherwise. And I asked Billy Casper one time how he seemed to play and win as much as he did without any outward signs. He was like a duck. There was no outward signs yeah. of, of stress or, or pressure. And he told me, yeah. he said, I, Matty, I, I couldn't, I didn't feel pressure. I had 11 kids to feed. He just went out there and did, <laughs> right? He just went out there and did what he had to do. And when you look at your career, aside from all the highlights, which everyone is always going to point out, and rightfully so, you played in 598 PGA Tour events. When you think about that as a body of work across that span, dude, not only on the practice ground, just in life you ground it out. That's a lot of work. You know, I think I can count on one hand how many times I did not go to the practice range after a round of golf. But it was it was what I enjoyed doing. I mean, you know, sorry to tell you how many times we Jay Haas and I were first off in a practice round on Tuesday morning in every major to get before the crowd and a lot of tournaments. I couldn't wait to get to the golf course that early in the day. Uh, and because you know why? Because you had all afternoon to practice and hang out, and it was it was fun for me. I honestly, some people thought it was work and. Some people didn't like to practice too much, and I thought it was a challenge every day uh, and a chance to get better. And and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but 
and I and I hope everybody out there I competed against enjoyed it as much as I did. Certainly the rounds are fun and the competition is fun, but the work before at home and Tuesdays and Wednesdays it's, it it's it can get monotonous. Trust me, and uh, so. You know, a lot of golf is, is if it's if it's not it doesn't feel like work, then it's what you do. Plus, you get into your routine. I mean, you know, my brother's a businessman. He goes to work every day in the morning, comes up at night. There's a routine. My routine was getting up and going to the golf course every day and coming home, and that's what I did for my job. I mean, my job happened to be a, a sport, and some people to this day still don't think I ever had a job, and fair enough. But uh, it still was, was something I was obligated to do every single day. And if I didn't do it a particular day, I felt like I cheated myself and my family. So I got up and got after it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold you up, uh, Curtis, because I love these conversations and they can go on for hours. I am going to ask you two final things. One about the distance in the game right now and the reports from the USGA and the RNA. Just get your take on that, and then I want to I want to follow up and ask you about uh, any sponsors that you currently have and, and spreading some love there uh, accordingly. But what is your take in terms of where the game is at with equipment and the distance uh, that, that is debated hotly on both sides? Yeah, I, I just – I have my opinion, and, and, and I don't know if anybody really cares. Uh, um, I, I, I do think that – the professionals are so much bigger and stronger. And because the ball goes exponentially farther, the harder you hit it, I think, I'm not a scientist, that's what they tell me, then uh, the ball is going to continue to go farther and farther because these kids are getting bigger and stronger. Um, but I don't think you should bring the ball back for the amateurs. I really don't. Uh, it doesn't help them. It hits, makes them hit it a little straighter and maybe a touch farther because of the drivers and the in the clubs and the balls. Uh, so what does that lead to? It leads to bifurcation. Um, I, and then the ball company is going to hate me for saying that, so I don't want to get into all that. But I think with when you look at other sports, and you might know, Matty, is that I always thought all the other sports had the same ball from junior to professional. Well, they don't. That's what I hear. So maybe it's time for us to sit down at the table. Level heads have to prevail, don't they? We have to sit down, and everybody has to compromise, and let's get it from the table and do what's best for, for, for the professional game. Now, with that said, we only talked about 5,000 people in this world, 5,000 professionals. Yep. And that's what I'm told. That number could be more or less. But what we're talking about a very, very small group of people. So... I don't think we want to change the entire ball for such a small group. Uh, change it for that group. How do you do that? I don't know. That's where the, the smart people have to, to, to get up down at that table and negotiate a, a solution. So I don't, know. Uh... I don't know if that makes sense or not. But, uh, and I'm not involved in it anymore. Uh, I know that the way I play now, I want to play the amateur ball that still goes straight and farther. <laughs> I don't need to cut back any yards on my drive. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, the sponsors, are you currently aligned with anyone? Yeah, I still do a lot of work for MasterCard and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and a few other companies that, you know, don't logos, but I still do my, you know, my corporate stuff and uh, I still play a few pro charity stuff around the, you know, country for friends, and uh, and that's what we do. And uh, I run into my colleagues on the Champions Tour once a year. You know, Jay and I still talk once a month. Um, you know, we talk. We talked the other day about the virus, and he's got a whole lot more grandkids than I have to deal with. <laughs> so, you know, I stay in touch um, with everybody, and you know, it's friendships that, honestly, that uh, you know. Most of them go back to college golf, and it's you grow up with these guys, and you all have the same background golf. You hold the same goals to be the best you can be, and you're you live with each other thirty weeks a year uh, for twenty to thirty years. How can you not get close? And you know some you go to dinner with, and some you don't go to dinner with, but you're real friends. Uh, you don't, you don't, just because you leave the tour, you don't, you know, disassociate with them. 
you stay in touch and talk and you know you know the kids names you know most of the grandkids names that kind of stuff so uh, uh it's it's fun for me to talk to them every once in a while and you know i still you know there's a handful i still talk to and it's great fun well i can tell you we love it when you talk to us and it is great fun to have you on the program Curtis Strange, member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. And I've always said this, you talk to a Hall of Famer, and when they speak, listen, because there's wisdom inherent. Thank you, as ever, for the time that you've given us. Thank you, Matty. Enjoyed it. Ah, amazing stuff. Thank you so much for your company on this Monday. Please don't forget to log on to touredge.com when you get a chance and check out everything that they have to offer. Yes, the EXS220 line is setting the world ablaze because the best in the world are choosing to play the clubs and play whatever they want. And they're choosing to play clubs that are great for everyone. They have all the latest technology built into them, but you don't need to get a second mortgage on the house in order to afford them. They're backed by a lifetime warranty and they're built right here in the USA, just outside of Chicago. Thank you so much for your company today, folks. Be safe. Be well. We'll see you tomorrow. TourEdge continues their meteoric rise in 2020. Over 90 different tour pros have put TourEdge into their bag, including staffers Scott McCarron, Tom Lehman, Tim Petrovic, and Duffy Waldorf. TourEdge makes clubs for every player type, and they set themselves apart with their unprecedented 48-hour delivery on custom-fit orders and by offering a lifetime warranty and by building their clubs in the good old US of A. Visit TourEdge.com to learn more about their new clubs for 2020. TourEdge, pound for pound, nothing comes close. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. It's no secret that FootJoy Flex has been one of the best-selling shoes in the game for the last few years. You can literally wear these things anywhere. Well, they now have a version that's completely redesigned and fully waterproof. It's called the Flex XP. You can wear these to and from work, hit a bucket of balls at the range, play 18 of them, wear them into the clubhouse, or out to dinner. Many have tried this type of versatile shoe in the past, but leave it to FootJoy to elevate the category. Now you can start flexing with the all-new Flex XP. Learn more about Flex XP at FootJoy. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tea times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com Take your game to the max this spring with the all-new Tour X Golf Shoe from FootJoy. Fully loaded inside and out, Tour X delivers max stability, max control, and max comfort. So you can launch it past your buddies. The Tour X wraps your foot in coziness with an ortho light impressions fit bed and a foam collar around the heel, ensuring max in-shoe comfort and support. Tour proven by players like Kevin Kister and Rafael Cabrera-Bayo. Experience max performance for yourself with the all-new Tour X. Shop now at FootJoy.com. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? 
It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. 